Today, we're speaking with one of the most interesting people I know, Richard Fertig, the founder of Stomp Capital, which owns and operates boutique lodging from the Hamptons to Palm Springs to Costa Rica. In this episode, you'll hear what he observed and learned from his most recent travels. There's a lot in here that you can use in your business, regardless of where you work in the hospitality ecosystem. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. You've talked before about some of the most compelling aspects of hospitality being or happening when we move from consistency to excitement. Uh, right. And and that that's the opportunity. Totally. And and what I'm kind of iterating through right now with my team, it's always evolving, right? Is that the way traditional hospitality solves a problem is by throwing labor at it, right? So there's an issue. Here's how we fix it. Hire somebody or make this part of somebody's job description. And so there's usually people involved. And that's the very traditional hospitality approach. But where I'm spending a lot of my time and uh, thinking about my travels in Europe, and we stayed, we had the great fortune of staying at some incredible luxury hotels that have been around for decades, if not generations, and just studying what it is that they do. And and when I say studying, like every single person that we came into contact with, I was sitting in my own mind wondering, is this valuable? Is this adding to my experience or actually detracting? And that's a new question. So frequently, we assume that people in a role are adding value to the end user. But the reality of it is, maybe it's post-COVID, maybe the world is changing, but the average person in a hospitality role right now is actually not hospitable and isn't actually adding a lot of value. So what they might be doing could be adding value like, hey, the valet wasn't very friendly, but they got my car and I need my car. So like that's adding value. But what if the valet is not friendly and doesn't manage to get your car or scratches your car, right? So now all of a sudden we've introduced a solution that's caused a problem. And the best example I can give, um, I was staying in a five-star hotel, world-class, all of your uh, listeners would know and think very highly of the organization. I'm not going to out them because it's not about, I'm not trying to make a point at somebody else's expense, but we paid a, a significant amount to stay at a five-star hotel that all of your listeners would say, wow, that's preeminent hospitality. The suite that we stayed in came with our own butler, not that we needed one, but they came with a butler. And so they said, just call us about everything. Well, the first night we got there, we were tired. And so I picked up the phone and I called the butler and I said, hey, what time does the, the full service restaurant downstairs, what time do they close? And the butler said, you know, I don't know. Let me transfer you to the restaurant. So she transferred me to the restaurant. The person answering the phone at the restaurant, which is now a second body, second you know, labor expense, and in Europe it's expensive and there's benefits and so on. So now the first person transfers me to the second person at the restaurant, which, by the way, I'm capable of calling the restaurant directly, right? Like I've got that ability, but I went with the route that they told me, butler first, butler transfers me to the restaurant. The person answering the phone at the restaurant also doesn't know what time the restaurant closes and says, please hold for me. I'm going to now transfer you to the uh, food and beverage manager. So here I am and my guest experience with these layers of hospitality, which are supposed to be adding value and are certainly adding expense, are actually detracting from my experience. Far from driving experience, they're literally wasting my time, frustrating me. And I don't mean to be, you know, nitpicky and I'm, you know, like this is a fine problem to have, right? There's 
a lot bigger issues in the world to solve. But when I'm discussing studying and studying the approach that traditional hospitality takes is there's an issue, hire somebody, train that person, have them be hospitable. It's harder today than it's ever been. And the question that I have is, is it even relevant going forward, right? Like in the next generation of hospitality, do I need to have a butler who then transfers me to somebody who answers the phone at the restaurant who then transfers me? Or is there an app or instructions or a uh, introduction to the property where I get onboarded and I have these answers at my fingertip. And by the way, not only does that save labor expense, but is that actually delivering greater guest satisfaction? And the answer, if done properly, is yes. So the takeaway is, is question everything, right? Don't just inherit these assumed notions of these well, are the staffing we need. That's exactly right. And what we're doing at Stomp Capital right now is we're literally putting together a whole set of orthodoxies that we're questioning. Like, it, okay, well, do you really need somebody to check in? Do you really need a valet? Do you really need this? Do you really need that? And what ends up happening is if you get very, very granular and very specific about it, you can start to say no, 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 no. You dwindle down the labor expense. And then the things that you say yes to are very intentional. And you can focus your um, training and hospitality program around a few touch points as opposed to diffusing it broadly everywhere. So I, I want to hear a little bit more about uh, about your most recent trip, because uh, I, I do appreciate you sharing that example. Sometimes we learn best from situations that didn't go so well, right? And so yeah. I, that, that's helpful. I'm curious if you ran into an experience or an environment that you really enjoyed and appreciated. Yeah. What stood out to you about that experience? So there's a hotel in the Amalfi Coast in Positano. It's called Il San Pietro. It's um, world-class, very well-known. Absolutely gorgeous place. Uh, costs a small fortune, but it's worth it, in my opinion. Uh, and I've been now twice. I went last year and I went this year and we're going next year. And in an ideal world, we'll continue to go every single year because we enjoy it that much. And like that's the kind of like following that we hope people will have for our locations uh, and our form of hospitality, where instead of trying to find new people constantly and there's churn and short stays, our goal is to have people that are intentional, that love it, that have been more uh, than once. It's easier to satisfy them and you get to know them and build a relationship. Um, but also length of stay increases and so on. So what did I learn from them? Well, first off, they are like a family. Um, they've been around for, let's call it 50 or 60 years. And in many instances, the people that opened the hotel are actually still working there. And so that's not a job for them. It's part of their identity. Their hospitality is who they are. They've got, they're one in the same. And so the guy that was driving us to town, I said, how long have you been here? And he was short, 17 years. And then the next guy I speak to, how long have you been here? 35 years. And then the next guy um, or ladies like, yeah, I've been here cleaning rooms since they opened. And so that sort of legacy is very, very difficult to recreate, to recreate in today's world. Um, people don't view like a job as a career and a part of their identity. But more importantly, they love what they do. They love the guests. Um, they've figured out, you know, life satisfaction. They walk to the hotel. So it's really, really powerful to have people on the team that really believe in what it is that you're doing and do it for more than the job. Like they really derive satisfaction from delivering hospitality and service. So 
impossible to recreate, right? It's going to take 35 years or so, but like, that's the goal. That's what we learned from having consistency because the same people are always there and they're training other people and so on. But that, that's a remarkable experience and one that, you know, we should all endeavor to replicate. So huge shout out to Il San Pietro. I love that. I act, I recall seeing a tweet from you a couple of days ago. I can't remember where it was from, but you said you never wear swag, but yeah. you made an exception. Was that this place or was that another one? So from that place, um, from Il San Pietro, we take a boat to Capri. And then there's this little beach club there called La Fontalina. I've been going there now for probably, I don't know, 10 years or so. But when I'm there, it's the same sort of thing. Meet somebody and they've, they've been going for 20 years and they've been going for 30 years and this and that. I was in um, the Hamptons last summer and I was wearing uh, a baseball, actually a, a hoodie that said La Fontalina. And I rarely wear swag of anybody, including us. Um, but I was, I love this place so much that I was wearing a hoodie that said La Fontalina and this guy walking by me, at, I was sitting having dinner at an outdoor cafe said, Oh my gosh, I love that place. In fact, I named my dog La Fontalina. And so like this guy's dog is named after this beach club. And then this last time I was there, I was sitting at another hotel, um, in like the Porto Ercole, it's called Il Pelicano. Also, you know, incredible hotel, been around for decades, uh, and the guy sitting next to me is wearing a La Fontalina hat. So we start chatting and he said, I named my boat Fontalina. So people are literally naming, you know, no one's getting a tattoo that I'm aware of, but they're naming dogs and boats and so on over this um, location. And, you know, you might ask what's so special about this location. And there's a lot of lessons in this too. Uh, first off, it's an incredible location. Uh, it's on the water, great views, like that's hard to replicate, but on Capri, there's a lot of places that have that too. So it's really the culture um, and who they invite. Uh, and you have to sort of, not everybody can walk in. So like that adds to the intrigue and the mystique and so on. Um, but really, it's not that much. There's cement over the Mediterranean rocks going right to the water. Um, you can pay for like a foam mattress or a chair and an umbrella. Uh, the prices are relatively exorbitant for what it is that you're actually getting. But what's kind of interesting is, and this is a discussion I've been having with my team as well, the expectations for hospitality in America is very different from Europe. So what do I mean by that? Growing up, I used to hear that the service in Europe was very poor. And the reason that the service in Europe was poor was because they weren't motivated by tips. There weren't really gratuities. And so the, the, the logical conclusion was if you work for tips, you're going to deliver better hospitality because that's your income source. And so like that was true for me for, you know, my youth. What I'm kind of realizing now is that by introducing tips and gratuities as a means of re remuneration, you're turning this thing into a transaction as opposed to a relationship. And so like I'm buying you being nice to me and I'm buying you um, waiting on us and bringing us water and so on and so forth, but I'm taking away your goodwill. I'm taking away your ability to delight and surprise because it's literally a transaction. Like I'm kind of getting what I'm paying for. And in the post COVID world, now we get at point of sale terminals for like, I don't know, at the airport checking out, I bought a magazine. It's like, would you like to tip? Well, for what? You know, like all you did was scan my magazine and a pack of gum. What am I tipping for? So it's gone too far. And now, in my opinion, the European service seems to be better because they were never really working for tips in the first place. 
Uh, and if you do, in fact, tip, they're really quite, you know, surprised and grateful. They're not there where it's expected. And what it also means is that in Europe, the expectations around hospitality is very different. This club that I just discussed with you, yes, you can get a beverage. You, if you want a bottle of white wine or champagne, you can get it delivered to your foam mattress. But unlike hospitality in America, where they'd have six men and women running around in like t-shirts and, and skirts and so on, asking you if you want a drink, can I get you a beverage? Like imagine, I don't know, a four seasons in Hawaii or something, right? Fully staffed, people constantly circling, constantly taking drink orders, and you get annoyed, like, oh my gosh, it's been seven minutes and I haven't been offered like a drink. I'm going to, you know, perspire to death here. In Europe, like you have to actually, at this club in particular, or many of the clubs that I've gone to, you actually have to get up, imagine that, and go to the bar and get your own drink and then take it back or they'll deliver it to you. But so, so much of this is about your expectations. And yet in Europe, all these Americans that are into this place, La Fontalina, are delighted to sit on a cement floor with a little mat and go get their own drinks and pay a fortune for it. Whereas in the US, they'd be like, the service is terrible here. I'm not coming back one star. So I think that they're, the reality of it is just based on managing people's expectations and then over delivering. And I think it's a vicious circle when you're at that, say, like four seasons level where you have to keep going around for drinks every seven minutes and then it's every six minutes. And it's kind of like Uber, like when it launched, the car came in 20 minutes and we thought it was fantastic. Now, if there's a two-minute wait for an Uber, we're disappointed. This is terrible. I can't wait any longer. So I think that um, at Stomp, what we're doing is really taking a look at what are the expectations that we're setting? What is the reality? How do we exceed those expectations? And how do we retrain and refocus people to focus on what's important? And in La Fontalina's case, it's the view, it's the water, it's the rest of the people, it's the vibe, it's the scene. It's not the fact that I can get a water without moving every minute, right? Like that's not it. Well, I think this is what makes hospitality exciting, right? Because it, great service is not a, uh, a fixed concept. As, as you mentioned, it's in the context of my expectations. It's within the context of the vision for the brand or for the property. And it, it fits into that. And I think going back to what you mentioned earlier is re rethink everything, right? Okay, do do we have to have all the all of these things to have that great experience? But I think even just your your comment about buying swag there is interesting because that is a hallmark of sort of the brands when you've made it, right? Somebody who never wears this stuff says, "I feel such a connection to this place. I'm not only going to want to return every year, tell my friends about it. I want to buy something to commemorate that." So um, that's and, great. And the reason. The reason is, by the way, um, because of how the the emotions that it solicits when I'm there, right? I mm -hmm. feel like I'm king and I'm looking at the beautiful ocean and I have access to the food and drinks and everyone else who's there um, is maybe of similar sort of like uh, caliber and made it in and just enjoying the, the natural beauty. Because again, it's not about the service or the hospitality. They have a really good restaurant, which is worth going to. And we always eat there. But just like when I'm there, I'm looking out, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've, this is fantastic. I love it. I'd like to be here more. And so the swag isn't to promote their brand, but it's to remind me of those feelings, those emotions, like the, the, the way that I feel. Um, and that's what we want to do at Stomp Capital and all of our different locations.
That's great. Richard, you said coming back from this trip, you've been meeting with your team and, um, you know, kind of thinking about whether it's the way we invest, whether it's the way that we operate our properties. Uh, let's rethink things. Is there ways to uh, take a fresh approach to hospitality? Is there anything else that you're bringing back from your most recent trip um, or that's top of mind for you now? So, um, again, a lot of this won't be brand new, but it is perhaps new to us. Uh, in this particular trip to Italy, we noticed how much uh, the Italian places that we were staying infused scents into all of the locations. And they all have these diffusers, um, and it's in the bathroom, it's in the lobbies, it's in the common areas, and it's signature to them. Um, we wanted to buy the scent from Il San Pietro before we actually loved it. Turns out that you they can't ship it and we didn't want to carry it. So we didn't end up getting it. But then we started paying attention to the different locations and what their scents were. And I think it's a an opportunity. I know, and once again, like, I think this is an American thing, but in America, there's a lot of people who say, it's the scent is too strong and I'm very sensitive and I can't do this. And I can't like, it's, I can't, right? But in Italy, then you just don't go to that hotel because that hotel smells like that, like in every single room. Um, but it's such a strong emotion and a way for us to connect an, an experience, uh, a memory. Um, the olfactory system is incredibly underutilized in my personal opinion. And so um, in my personal residence, we've now bought a bunch of uh, one scent and we're going to infuse this entire place with it. We're going to see what it's like to live on, with it on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think there's these little things where you know, I, I used to Airbnb my own uh, apartment or house years ago. And I remember I got a really bad review. Somebody was like, I'm very sensitive to my scent and I can't do this and I couldn't sleep and be forewarned if the scent is strong. And I was just like, all right, well, we're going to take that out. You know, like that doesn't work for everybody. And what I'm recognizing, uh, I've said this before, maybe even on your podcast, like we're not for everybody. So if you don't like the scent or you don't like the low touch hospitality, or you think that you need to have, you know, the water every seven minutes, then we're probably not a good fit. But for the people who were offering something that they can't get anywhere else to, that's what creates the loyalty and the passion and the memories and the referrals and all of that. So we're experimenting with all sorts of things. Um, we, we have yet to pick a signature scent. We'll probably make one. Um, but I think there's opportunities to delight people on many different levels that might be non-obvious. That's great. I mean, great brands are built on a strong point of view, right? And taking uh, a, a stance on, on the details. The details matter in hospitality. So I love that, Richard. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. 
Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes from some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 